We're not performing here, Anna. <laughs> well, I don't know about you, but I've been performing all night. I've, I've done a really good job of playing the role of friend. <laughs> Welcome to Pub Indie. I'm Tammy Kavanaugh. And I'm Anna R. Bailey. Today we'll talk about what happens after the hero succeeds or fails. In other words, social change. So grab a drink, sit back, and let's chat. So basically, today we're talking about status quo versus apocalyptic change in writing. And, you know, where you might find it, how you might use it. So we were actually just talking about what happens after the hero succeeds. And this really comes into play with series, I think, more so than anything else. Because sometimes I do love those standalones. The book ends. The hero has won. There's a big party. Yeah. Yay. Yay. And then you can just go home and assume everything is great. But then you have sequels where, okay, now let's see the aftermath. Exactly. A good example of that we were actually just talking about is, like, the original Star Wars mm-hmm. uh, storyline. You know, you get to the end of the third movie and Leia and Han and Luke are all woohoo and and you get a bunch of other planets and they're all woohoo and you're left you know with a really good feeling in your Mm -hmm. heart that everything's gonna be all right everything's gonna turn out okay yeah and here I'll be the devil's advocate because the movie we've seen is very specific to Luke's point of view and looking at the Republic as this very evil entity but we only get to see how they're fighting against the rebels we don't see how they treat the everyday average person in the movies I know there's probably a lot more in the novels and all that stuff um so what I was saying with that is these rebels which ironically like in today's society wouldn't be rooting for the rebels all the time have now won so when these rebels come in and kind of dismantle this whole empire you don't even know what Leia and Han and Luke have planned so now that this is all destroyed what now yeah (laughs) what government are they replacing it with (laughs) And uh, for a very long time, no one knew. (laughs) (laughs) And maybe it was better that way. (laughs) Just kidding. I think that the political situation that they started off with with the um, sequels was actually fairly accurate. Mm -hmm. And it was, to a certain extent, based on real-world history, like how things happen after you overthrow a regime. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's a lot of ways that can go. A regression can sometimes happen of society. or So, for example, historically, there's like the Roman Empire. Everyone knows about that. Right. Mm-hmm. It's not like the Roman Empire just one day collapsed into dust. It was a slow process. There were a few years of major change and wars and stuff like that. But it was, it was definitely a gradual decline. And it wasn't just like snap your fingers and overnight. So it is interesting to consider, okay, you have now toppled the dictator. What happens now? There's a power vacuum. And it's really interesting to explore that in novels. We could also look at books like The Hunger Games. For as much hate as The Hunger Games gets, I found it really interesting to show, hey, look, the good guys can become the bad guys. Whoa! Mm -hmm. Power corrupts. And not just that, but like your intentions. When you are at war with someone for so long and you're just like, these are my enemies, you now have the power. What do you do? It's so tempting to kick down my oppressors because they kicked me. And it was interesting to explore that in that novel. Just because your protagonists start out as the good guys doesn't mean their good intentions don't lead them down a very dark path. 
And I think that's also very interesting. And you see that in a lot of... Well, Lord of the Rings actually ends on a societal change. The expulsion of the elves from Middle-earth and back across the Western Sea mm-hmm. um, is the time of the men. Well, what does that mean exactly? As far as we know, as far as we know, there's what? Gondor and the Rohan, right? And the crazy Bree people. Yeah. Like, <laughs> but there's still other people there. There's still the dwarves. There's still the hobbits. Like, what happens with all of them? <laughs> They're not important to me. <laughs> and the orcs. There's always questions about what happened to the orcs. Like, I've, like did they just kill them all? Oh, yeah. Did they genocide sure. them? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they were so clearly evil. All of them. Just don't look at the fanfics. <laughs> Actually, when I discovered that, that that was even a thing, I was like, oh, oh, I see now. (laughs) My eyes. I've seen a lot of like questions about what happens to the orcs. Are there female orcs or are there only just male orcs? Like what do they, can they not breed? Are they just rounded up and killed? And I'm pretty sure they're probably just rounded up and killed. I think uh, they're considered the evil of evil and they're not given any, they have no purpose really either and no direction. We're getting into the weeds. (laughs) Let's let's analyze next week. We shall psychoanalyze the orcs. (laughs) Guest starring the Urukai. <laughs> I really love books that do make me question these things. As a child, that's the good guy. This is the bad guy. We don't question, hey, maybe Snow White was really evil to the queen. <laughs> We've talked a lot about the upheaval, but there's also the option when you're writing a book where some big event is coming that the hero wins, the hero saves the day, and the status quo is maintained. Mm-hmm. Generally speaking, at the end of big blockbuster movies like the Marvel Universe or DC, the status quo is maintained because it, it takes place in the real world. And so there is, for, from a storytelling perspective, there is a preference to keep things as close to current reality as possible. Mm-hmm. So even if like a big event happens, there is always the intention to move it as much back towards a um, Towards normal life, right? Yeah, exactly. And we've been hearing a lot about that too, right? I can't wait till things get back to normal. (laughs) But like it probably never will, at least not in the same way. And that's not to be depressing. That's actually probably a good thing. Like maybe some positive change will come out of this. Going back to books or other media, you do have the heroes winning and life does in a way go back to normal but look at the winter soldier tv show right Mm -hmm. you see what happens after the people are brought back yay they saved all those people that were snapped away by thanos but now we have you know five years later a huge problem with them and a terrorist organization rises out of that because they're disenfranchised people with without citizenship without jobs so it's really interesting to explore that and i never thought they would go that way (laughs) i thought it would just be everyone is happy (laughs) everyone's happy everyone's back but that's not reality when you really think about it and that's actually quite impressive for a film like that that they actually considered okay but what happens to a society when half Mm -hmm. of the population disappears and then five years later reappears like Mm -hmm. what has happened during that time some books that we that I personally um, have loved forever are the Mercedes Lackey's book and I just keep on waiting for something to happen to change the status quo in there like I gotta say in those paranormal books like half the time 
they don't like humans in them. Have no. you noticed that? I've noticed that they're definitely framed almost as like the bad guy or the boring guy. It's kind of funny. It's like all human flaws are highlighted even more. We're prejudiced. We're weak. We don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah. We're proud. We're uh, power hungry. Mm-hmm. Corruptible. Corruptible. And I guess that's the fantasy of the whole paranormal. But that's why I almost would prefer a world that's just purely no humans. Or if the human, there are humans, they can do magic. You yeah. Know, like, like, why put them even, on such a low footing like that? Like, it doesn't even... And a lot of them, the humans don't even have access to a way to make themselves better. Like, better. They're just humans. They can't do magic. They're not witch blood. They're not werewolves. Like, I guess that's the closest they can come is to become the werewolf to become the vampire you have to become something other than you are in order to if again society changed a little bit more when these creatures of power are known about that's kind of what i i bet everyone's like i know what you're gonna talk about true blood did you ever watch that series I watched bits and pieces, and I think I read the first book, but it was written in first person. (laughs) (laughs) For anyone out there listening, T.R. Kavanaugh is allergic to first person. (laughs) Have an EpiPen ready. I found the premise really interesting. Here's this human girl. Sure, she has the power to read minds. And this is a world filled with all sorts of mythical creatures. I really wish they had kept her at just reading minds. That was already more special. That was already... But no, of course she has to be spoilers like fairy and all sorts of things. (laughs) I think they just wanted to keep the show running. (laughs) Right, right. But it's usually what it comes down to. I do believe that the book series was quite long, though, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly. I was working in a public library at the time, and those books got taken out a lot. And um, it was one of the reasons I decided to read it was the show, but it was also popular. Mm-hmm. Like, it was a popular series. And then I read them, and I was just, not, my, not for me. <laughs> it's not. Bringing up this whole status quo has also made me, besides True Blood, I am reminded a lot about Harry Potter and how grateful I would have been if that epilogue would have been cut. I know this is like not a hot take at all but my desire for that has changed over time before it was oh no way would those two have ended up together (laughs) now it's become wait a minute so nothing really has changed in the wizarding world you saw what a problem those four houses were and basically calling one house the evil house (laughs) slytherins are evil even though she purposely made a point to show slughorn as look not all slytherins are evil (laughs) Wait, nothing changed after all that? This is not even like your first dark wizard. Yeah, no, like, they've had several dark wizards, and this one came back a second time. (laughs) And, like, the ministry doesn't seem to have gone through any kind of change. Um, And what was wild was that the main characters who, for a lot of the books since the fifth book, were actively fighting against the ministry, or at least, you know, not supporting their actions, they decide to join up. Yeah! I guess propaganda is really strong. Well, I always figured that they'd want to, like, work from the inside. Or at least Hermione would want to, like... I honestly always thought she'd want to become the Minister of Magic. Like, that was my expectation for her. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that would ever happen, but um, I think they had a really good view into how it doesn't work, where Mm -hmm. it doesn't work. But there was, like... (laughs) I admit, it's based on um, real-world administration and the perception of it taking forever for anything to get done. Yeah. My whole thing on that, too... 
is that before Harry took down the ministry, Voldemort had basically put in all his lackeys everywhere. My whole point with the whole ministry, this is a perfect example of the hero wins, but status quo is maintained, which is fine. The pro of that is great, everything stays the same, but just a few little things get improved. Like maybe muggle-borns aren't, you know, killed anymore. Yay! <laughs> the life as normal. And in a way, that's very comforting. But in another way, it rises questions like, oh, would this be easy to just happen again? Yeah, if it's status quo, if everything just goes back to status quo and nothing gets changed and realistically, no safeguards are put in place. I think education is probably an important aspect that, I mean, they start getting educated at age 11. That's <laughs> seems odd yeah how do they socialize there's a lot of questions honestly and it's a kids series Mm -hmm. so i didn't really care (laughs) but you know there are things to think about to wonder about this is what made me so scared of writing my own fantasy series because how can i cover all the angles and i just had to accept you can't and i can't and it's okay but interesting to explore and analyze and now if we wanted to go on to apocalyptic change yes Um, There's different kinds of apocalyptic change. Again, we're talking a little bit about world building in this case. This is where you get to have fun. You could look at Margaret Atwood's uh, Handmaid's Tale, for example. Yeah, that's a really good one. Something really bad happens. We're not exactly told what. Books are framed as being from cassette tapes. Like a political shift happened, and it was happened very quickly. Yeah, and it's the TV show explores that more, but I don't know how canon that is <laughs> to her world. If you look at the book itself, ignoring the TV show, you can sit there and think, how would a society go from, you know, what we think of it today to suddenly being a Handmaid's Tale, where it's super religious, women's lives are super controlled, and even to some respect, every citizen in Gilead's life is controlled. Everyone's watching each other. Everyone's reporting on each other. You can't just like move from one city to another. What I found like interesting just from a historical point of view is monarchy takeovers or usurping the throne. Half the time it's just I'm gonna take the throne. Things are basically gonna be maintained. I'm gonna change out who's doing what role. I'm gonna put my friends around me in in power and stuff like that. But the country is basically gonna continue running as normal. But then there might be when the Normans came in like the Battle of Hastings and that totally changed the way England operated so even like a historical sense you see maintaining the status quo and let's create a huge change and change the course of history forever yes which makes history a fun subject to write about yes that's (laughs) it's really I hate it when people say it's boring I think the way we we teach teach it. it is boring I think in general, authors like, because I am one now too, they like the shorthand of, and this whole situation gets resolved and we all return to our normal everyday lives. <laughs> I really do wish there was more exploration of that, of more society changing and the way society could change. And it doesn't have to be in the real world so we can explore it. <laughs> exactly. The fun part of writing fiction is that it's not real. And we can explore our fears, our, what makes us excited, our curiosity, like, what if this then this like I think it would be more fun to follow that a little bit more like Mm -hmm. seriously what would happen if we found out there were vampires and 
werewolves and witches and mm-hmm. fae. Mm-hmm. What would society look like? Would we be trying to kill them all? Would we be, like, best friends with them? Would we take sides? Would they submit themselves to a government? Yeah. Would they listen? Like, why would they listen? Why would they listen to a government? Yeah. And which one would they listen to? Yeah. They're an immortal vampire who's lived all over the world. Yeah. <laughs> they have magic powers. They have super strength. Monsters. <laughs> but seriously, like, what kind of impact would that have on... So in the Mercy Thompson series, she covers it a little bit because she deals with um, how the Fae had come out and the other underworld creatures were forced in the end. A lot of them were. Uh, vampires have chosen not to. Witches are out. I think they came out after the Fae. And for the most part, they present themselves at... Oh, are they out? It's been a while. <laughs> Witches might not be out. But if they were to come out, I would think they would present themselves in a very, you know, harmless, helpful way instead of how they actually are, which is that they can be quite dangerous. They often use, like, sacrifice, mm. either personal sacrifice or a sacrifice of others. And the greater the sacrifice... The greater the power. Exactly. Um, so that can be quite... Yeah. <laughs> Vampires don't want to be out at all, because they're freaking... In her series, they, are, they don't move like humans. They don't, like... Mm-hmm. They're actually monsters. Yeah, they're actually nice. monsters. And the werewolves had to come out for basically the same reason that the Fae decided to come out, which is that technology had gotten to a point where it was impossible to stay hidden. And the Fae came out by presenting their softest, kindest, most powerless, like, individual. He was a gardener, if I remember correctly, and he was accused of murder. (laughs) And so he revealed himself on live television, because of course the thing was being filmed on live television, and um, he's this cute thing, and he says, I'm incapable of touching iron. And uh, so they present themselves as these like harmless, helpful creatures and a few others come out and they're also harmless and, you know, they're helpers and they're, you know, almost like superhero-ish kind of bent to them in a way. Like they just want to help people. (laughs) And then the werewolves had to come out and they decided to present strong, a strong, as strong protectors. They're in Mm -hmm. the police, they're firefighters, they're in security, they work in the military, they're, Mm -hmm. you know. That's interesting. I have to check out this series now. It's good. I want want more. There have been instances, there was an instance where it almost looked like there was going to be war between the fae and the humans because of this thing that happens. And I was like, yes! Yeah. It didn't happen. I never knew you were so bloodthirsty. So bloodthirsty. I just want, I just feel like with these creatures, there would be, there would be more change than this. There would, and maybe it's too early in the series. Maybe it's a slow burn. I'll have to wait and see. I haven't, I don't think I've read the most recent one. So I might be a little behind on what's going on in that world. I think she does a really good job, the author, uh, Patricia Briggs. So, like, in my own writing, I have a lot of ideas in my head for things. I was telling you one, um, and if, if I don't even know what the apocalyptic event was. I just know that there was, like, there was, like, a, basically, like, a trailer park up north. Mm-hmm. And that they all had bomb shelters for whatever reason. And they kept in contact with each other. And the main character was born in the bomb shelter. And there's a bunch of other kids who are also born in the bomb shelters and all this stuff. There's like a <clears throat> night while they're still pretty young where the kids leave the bomb shelters for whatever reason. And there, but something happens and then ta- there was a time skip and everyone was older. And it was like a new society. They were trying to like rebuild and, and trade and there was like a little marketplace. And I guess... 
my fantasy series spoilers will be that tipping point of where society will go for x number of years society has operated a certain way and that's starting to crumble and fall apart even in my historical fiction books a lot of times that's one of the things that i always say that makes the tutor so interesting and it's not just you know the main character of henry the eighth and all his wives after henry the eighth dies his son is super protestant then his daughter gets the throne and she's super catholic it's such a <laughs> it's like back and forth back and forth back and forth and everyone's changing their hats <laughs> <laughs> internally we've been talking a lot about societal change but it can be also the internal change of the protagonist like and that's the whole hero's journey and yeah how they are their their process of change from who they are at the beginning to who they are at the end and sometimes they might not change at all it's just them going through this adventure and like they just maintain their purity and their goodness i feel so i know you wouldn't like it no I wouldn't. honestly when i end up with the character being exactly as they were like nothing's yes you can be like all merciful and kind and generous and just the perfect a, human being yeah the perfect <laughs> human being unambitious unassuming but like but also super what you, responsible <gasps> yeah but super responsible it's not as much fun I guess it's not it's not as much fun maybe when I was younger I really liked that though I recently am rereading the Redwall series which is it's definitely more children based uh-huh. and the characters are very almost cut and dry good and bad and they're so good to the point of not being savvy at all where the evil guy comes in and says I want a truce obvious trap but their inherent goodness is like they've come here in good faith we cannot last time he said this he 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 ate jeremy like (laughs) (laughs) he said he wouldn't do it again though guys i believe him because we have to he prompt he pinky swore yeah that's Um, super cute though like i'm thinking of like cute little mice and cute little it is not it's gruesome (laughs) Yeah. It's basically an abbey in England with mice. I think really what it comes down to is deciding what kind of character your main character is when it comes to their journey. Are they ends justify the means? Mm-hmm. Or by my inherent goodness, evil shall be defeated and I will win. And I will not dirty myself in the process. Yeah, because you have chosen not to do anything bad. Or has to for you. Or has to for you. Yeah, like, and that's where the side... And that's why you get so many people that say the side characters are amazing. Yes, it's true, because they do stuff. (laughs) They do stuff, and they're complicated, and yeah, and like, but the main person put them on a pedestal. So this whole, like, podcast was started because we were talking about how does society change within novels, specifically, Mm -hmm. and how do different authors handle it and we were kind of exploring and it made us think about ourselves Mm -hmm. like how we try to we basically gravitate towards let's see a change and how that would look yeah basically (laughs) i guess we're compatible author friends or something (laughs) maybe no i'm like i'm thinking about all the outside of the one i'm working on right now i'm thinking about some of the other projects i would do and all of them are like big changes some kind of change is coming to society nothing's gonna necessarily be the same as it was before by the end of it yeah yeah and then the main characters are not going to be clean you know i think in some way i know i can never be perfect and i have stopped to aspire to that a long time ago mm-hmm. so my characters and the people i imagine no they'd be complicated i want my great characters in there so I think that brings us to the end of this conversation. My drink is empty, so. <laughs> <laughs> we need to go refill it. 
So join us next month and we'll have another episode for you where who knows what we'll discuss and we'll chat about something interesting. Maybe anxieties and getting, (laughs) again, we keep putting it off. Have a good night or day. Bye.